Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week 16 of the Big East Barroom. Today is February 27th, which you know what that means. We are getting closer to March. Happy February 27th to all those who celebrate. Ryan, what's up? If there's anybody in the world who celebrates February 27th, I would be shocked, but I'm so happy to be here. Um, this is our second to last podcast of the regular season. So, and and the next one we do will just be to recap the end of the regular season. This is the last one where there's more games to play. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll have like a memorialize some seasons next week um, that are probably ended. Uh, for the listeners, Ryan and I are in different places today. Uh, I'm having a little Michael Jordan flu game. I'm feeling pretty terrible. But if you're in the Northeast, you know what tomorrow is. It's probably a snow day. Um, so if you're listening to this, thank you. And hopefully we're keeping you warm. Um, but yeah, so we're in different places. If anything sounds a little different. Yeah, we apologize for the audio quality. We love doing it together, but uh, I, I didn't want to get his deathly sickness. Yeah, some of us are just built different enough to power through illnesses like this. And um, Ryan, unfortunately, would not be that. Ryan would be really sick right now, and you guys wouldn't even get a podcast. But me, on the other hand, I'm like, I got to power through for you guys and stuff like that. I'll give him this one. He showed up. I'll give him the credit. Ryan, AP poll came out. Marquette, six. UConn 14, Xavier 17, Providence 20. Creighton drops out of the top 25, but there, if there were 26 teams ranked, Creighton would be 26 because they received the most votes. Thoughts? Yeah, tough for Creighton. Um, you know, I get it. You lost two games, but you lost two games against two really good teams. Um, so hopefully they've got two easier games coming up this week. Hopefully they go 2-0 and they'll finish the season ranked. They deserve to be ranked. They're a good enough team for that. Is this only the second time this year we've had a Big East team inside the top 10? Marquette and UConn? Was it Marquette in the top 10 before last week when they had lost to They were 10, but Creighton actually started the season in the top 10 as well. Yeah, and UConn obviously made it up to number two. I think Xavier got to 12. I'm interested in how high these teams got. Um, But, hey, it's always good for the Big East to get that national exposure in a top 10 Mm -hmm. team. Did you see this is the highest Marquette has been ranked since the 80s? I mean, Shaka Smart. I mean, they, how do you go from pick ninth to where they are now? I mean, I know we'll talk about them later, but everything that Marquette embodies right now is what's good with the Big East. Yeah, absolutely. And so, all right, you want to get started and talk teams? I mean, we can jump right into Marquette. Yeah, want to jump into Marquette and talk about their two wins this week? Let's do it. Put two and a half on the clock. So Marquette played twice this week. They beat Creighton 73-71 to at Creighton. Very um, notable result there. And then they tied for the big ear. They at least have earned a share of the Big East regular season crown by going and beating DePaul 90-84 to in Chicago. Thoughts? Um, the game at Creighton was the game of the year. That was the most important game that's been played all year. 
between two of the top five teams. It's the game that pretty much won Marquette, the Big East regular season title. Um, and who else but Tyler Kolick down the stretch of that game, two buckets in the final minute to win that game. And for me, that kind of seals his player of the year resume with Marquette going to win the regular season title. And he's the best player on that team. And he won them the most important game. I was just going to say when Tyler Kolick eventually shows his kids and grandkids one day about that Big East regular season award that he has, he's going to say, and this is the moment that I want it. That righty layup, you know, when he's a natural lefty coming downhill and going over Cockbrenner, and then to hit the lefty floater over Ryan Cockbrenner as well, the juxtaposition of the defensive player year and the Big East player of the year and Kolick just leading them. I mean, it's you know you don't like to get romantic about basketball, but I mean it's just one of those moments. No, it's why we watch college basketball. Those that moment right there, and I, I don't have a rooting interest. I'm rooting for both of those teams. I want you know good basketball to get played, and I want a great moment to be delivered. And Tyler Kolick delivered that moment, so that was just really freaking awesome. Um, I also want to really quick call out Stevie Mitchell: eleven steals in two games this week. Um, he had six steals in this game, and then he had five steals. No, no, I'm sorry, he had five steals. In the Creighton game, he had had six steals in their very important win against Xavier. Uh, he's playing some of his best basketball of the season. Doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And it would be remiss not to talk about Cam Jones, who went for 41 combined in these two games um, as well. He, I know I t- we've talked a lot about kind of Marquette has this core coming back. Cam Jones is kind of playing himself into an NBA career, if not after this year, like soon. So it's a catch-22. You want Cam Jones to do really well. We're rooting for Cam Jones, but at the same time, he's playing himself where he won't be in college very long. Do you think he's a little undersized to get looks at the NBA? I think he's about 6'3". He's going to be – the way he finishes at the rim this year, I mean, his field goal percentage has really jumped up. Um, uh, here's my question for the week. What type of team in the NCAA tournament do you think would give Marquette the most trouble? What style of basketball? I think we, like, touched on this a little while ago. I would have thought a big team – because Oso is just so undersized. But you saw when they played Edie, they kept the, you know, that was a five-point game. I think I think still a big team, a physical team, a team like UConn really gave them fits in that second matchup. Um, you know, guys who can throw multiple big men at you would be a problem. Yeah, I agree. I think UConn's the toughest matchup for them in the Big East. So if you're looking at somebody outside of the conference, a team that looks like UConn rebounds really well, and can play in the post because uh, Iguodala is just a little undersized if he's guarding another center. But the problem is someone has to guard Oso Iguodaro too, and he is a matchup nightmare the way he can pass the ball. And he'll make you pay, you know? And he made Cockburner pay a few times in that game. And he had made Nunji pay uh, before that. All right. Who do you want to talk about next, Rai? I think the next team we should be talking about is probably your UConn Huskies. UConn played this week two times, and UConn won twice, and I was in the building for both of them. Um, listen, me and you, were we went to the Garden on Saturday. I think we came to the same conclusion, that we have no idea what that game meant for anything in the entire world. So do you want to skip that? Yeah, I just want to say my piece, um, St. John's doesn't play basketball, so when you win a game against them, it's not like you've proved you're good at basketball. It, it proves that you're good at running up and down the court. And I believe there's four technical fouls called in that game. Tristan Newton got ejected for a second and then got brought back in the game. In the um, end, zero ejections as opposed to two ejections last time they played. So that's good. 
Yeah. Andre Jackson played really well after being um under the weather. So me and Andre Jackson are built similarly. But I thought the game on Wednesday, UConn against Providence, was UConn's most important game of the year. And we talked about this before. I thought that if UConn lost this game, you're kind of talking about them in that next tier. I know you're a big tier guy. But, you know, with winning this game, I think they've cemented themselves that they belong in the conversation for teams that can win the Big East tournament. Like, they, I, I saw today they have the best odds to win the Big East tournament. Um, but if they lost this game, I think they were comfortably second-tier Big East team. So, um, you know, they went – that was uh, Jordan Hawkins. I mean, Jordan Hawkins continues to – he's kind of doing a little Cam Jones. He's not going to be here much longer. Um, you know, UConn, 69-87, to 87, they kind of just bullied Providence. Yeah, and I think – I mean, you have to talk about the rebounding in that game where they, they doubled up Providence, who is – one of the best rebounding teams in the country and the best rebounding team in the conference before that game. And they out-rebounded them 40-20. to 20. Uh, And you got guys like Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon who are going in there and, and really rebounding at a really high rate. Um, that's, a, that's a winning formula for the team right now. They're not the best shooting team in the country. They had got hot early in the season, but they've really cooled off a lot. But when they're rebounding their misses with those big guys – that could be the right um, formula. And let's talk about an X factor. I saw a stat that in the last two games, Aline and Calcaterra, two bench players combined for 35 points. In all of January, they combined for 31 points. Um, when UConn's getting that bench production and they're coming in with offensive, you know, player after player and Calcaterra and Naeem are hitting their threes, this is why this team got ranked all the way up to number two in the country at one point. It's a great point. Let me ask you because we talked about this in person, which win told you more about UConn? Uh, the win against Marquette, the win against Providence? Um, I know what you think, because we talked about this. I think that they win against Providence, and do you want to tell people why? Because I think your point is good. I don't want to steal it. I think their win against Marquette, they hardly missed a shot. And anytime you go out there and you shoot you know, at that level, you can beat anybody. But they played in a, a very replicable game against Providence. That's something that they could do out there all the time. Uh, and I, that's why I would, you know, when you made that point, I kind of agreed. UConn needs to build themselves on toughness and physicality. Um, I really like that they're running the offense kind of through Hawkins now instead of running through Sonogo because the great thing, I know we're over by a second, but we don't have mailbag today. Um, the good thing about UConn running their offense through Hawkins is the ball's moving consistently, where Sonogo, even if he's an improved passer in the paint, isn't you know when once the ball goes down to him it's kind of dead um so giving the ball to Hawkins off of screens and you know that ball's going in and out um the offense has looked a lot more fluid since they kind of made that change yeah I agree I mean you got to give Hurley some respect for making that change where going into the season he thought he'd run everything through Sonogo and halfway through the season he's realized Hawkins is his best player and he ought to get Hawkins as many shots or at least let him affect the game, right? Because what he's going to, he's going to drag other defenders around and now it opens up other guys. Um, you ought to let him do that as much as possible. Anyhow, uh, what's the next team you want to talk about? Um, if we're going to be on there, why don't we talk about the Friars? Why, um, they had an interesting week where they went one and one, but their one win was against Georgetown, but you know, did they just get UConn in that one game, you know, playing a team on the road? 
um, on senior night? Or was that telling of what their season is? And they came out well at the beginning of that game. I don't, well, you were you saw it in person. They had a few steals in a row. Jared Bynum had like two steals in the first few minutes. Uh, I think they had four steals total in the first five minutes, something like that. I believe Bynum hit his first four threes in that game. To- um, it was very so- close going into halftime, and then UConn kind of took control. Um, what did you make of the lack of Bryce Hopkins in the game? Yeah, I mean – UConn did a really good job. I don't want to make this about UConn, but UConn did a good job of doubling him um, or sending help side um, where he kind of dominated Caravan the first time where they kind of made it about, um, you know, having a help defender come over and Sonogo helped a lot and a lot of tip passes. But is that the blueprint to beat Providence? You don't let Bryce Hopkins beat you and you hope that between the other four starters, you don't get enough offense. Well, I'll tell you, Ed Cooley said after the game, the ball just didn't find him enough. So I don't think Cooley was happy with his team. Um, I think he would have liked them to press that more because they're a different team when Hopkins is rolling, right? Yeah, and he he took the most shots on the team. I mean, that is – but you want him to be taking a lot more than 10 shots in a game. Um, I, I mean, I think that they're fine. I do think that, you know, I worry about Providence on a neutral court. And the only reason I do is because the AMP is just such a good environment. They're not going to lose at the AMP. I fully believe if the Big East tournament was at the AMP, Providence would be favored by so much. They haven't won a neutral site game. They haven't won a road game. That matters this year. Every single game after this week is going to be a neutral site game or a road game. Can Providence, you know, carry that momentum onto the road or a neutral site game? I don't know. I don't know, but they've got some killers. I mean, that is one of the toughest teams in the country. Devin Carter, Ed Croswell. I mean, these guys, you know, I wouldn't want to see them in an alley, right? They, they're they tough guys. Um, so I believe in them. I think they had a tough game that night. Uh, but I think they'll bounce back. Which is fair because everybody's had a tough game when they go play any of the top five teams on the road. I mean, there's very few teams that have beat anyone, which is why what Marquette did against Creighton was so impressive. And what Villanova did um, this week is so impressive. But <laughs> – you know, this this just showed the UConn game, you know, to lose by 18 points when they kind of you know, they came in confident. Let me let me be clear about like they came in confident. Devin Carter, who we love, had some interesting gifts going on. They came in very confident going into this game, which I'm not. Listen, you're you should be confident when your team plays. But to then lose by 18 points. It just worries me a little bit because I want this Providence team, that toughness to translate into tournament success, um, Big East and NCAA. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We didn't touch too much on them beating Georgetown, but you want to shoot over to Georgetown, talk about them briefly, some of the stuff going on over there. Ryan, what stuff is going on at Georgetown that's always going on at Georgetown? You saw some of the Kudus Wahab um, drama going on. He showed up for the senior night festivities but he didn't play in the game and he wasn't on the bench for the game no i did not i mean now he they're claiming he had a non-covid illness but some people are you know are it's kind of strange that he would come to the festivities and he felt comfortable being around people at that point but then he didn't feel comfortable sitting on the bench with with his teammates um that it's gotten to the point where i it's past the point of no return even the commentators in the providence game were openly talking about how they are going to replace Ewing at the end of the year. Um, you know, now it's about who can they keep. 
going into next year. There's a lot of people with a lot of eligibility left. A cook, a cook has another year of eligibility left. If he chooses to use it. Um, I believe a cook, a cook might have two years of eligibility left. If he chooses to use it. Um, I'm not sure if he redshirted the year he tore his Achilles. Yeah. Because he came back at the end. I, I don't know. Um, Primo is only a sophomore. Brandon nope. Murray is only Primo and Brandon Murray are only sophomores. They have a ton of eligibility left. Do they want to go play in Georgetown again? At this point, it's about how many players can you keep going into next year? Um, and what coach can put you in the right direction? Um, Black Monday's coming up. That's the day after selection Sunday, where all the head coaches normally um lose their jobs if they're going to lose their job. I would expect an announcement soon so Georgetown can try to get ahead of it and um show their players like, hey. You should stay because we have this guy coming in. We'll see. Um, who's your, what team do you want to talk about next? Well, Rive, we're going to be talking about coaching changes. Let's go to the Johnnies. All right. Then the Johnnies played two games this week, and they went one and one, 79-70 against Georgetown, which, grain of salt. And then they lost to UConn 95-86. We were in the building. What did you think about the Johnnies? It was nice to see senior day. Yes, I mean, terrible way for Joel Soriano to go out, assuming he's going out. Uh, he fouls out with a few minutes to go. It, his, the season has been a mess, and he has been such a bright spot, and he has put in so much work, and it's so obvious how you know how much work he had put in and how successful he wanted to be this season. So I just hate to see it end that way for him, his last home game. And also, his last home game is full of UConn fans. Yeah. I mean, I I think push is coming to shove there too. Uh, you know, a lot of Johnny's fans online talking about how they were kind of upset about how many you know the the UConn fans being there, not at UConn fans, but just kind of like this is where the program got to. Um, I think hearing Mike Anderson get booed, you know, and from you know their own team, I I just the. It's gotten so bad that I think they are going to be also on Black Monday looking for a new coach. I think they're more likely to be looking for a new coach. They don't have the same emotional um, kind of personal connection to their coach the way Georgetown does with Patrick Ewing. And they've moved on from people in the past. So I think, although I did get the chance to speak with, um, there was a, a, a player from the 80s who was honored at halftime who ended up at the same bar as us afterwards. So I asked him, what I'm sorry? Muto, I believe his name was. So I asked him, you know, do you know anything? Do you think they're moving on? And he said, I know there's a big buyout that's kind of hanging, you know, that could be a hang-up. Um, I don't know if he has any inside information, but there you go. I've relayed it to you, listeners. Yeah. Um, it's also, there's more of a coup going on in St. John's um, where Pinzone and Curbelo are unsuspended and suspended and Pinzone wasn't even at the game. Um, Corbello wasn't sure why he got suspended and then unsuspended. Um, so I think you're more of a, I think you're right. I think that I'd give it a 99% chance St. John moves on and a 95 that Georgetown moves on. Did you see Hurley's comments on Corbello after the game? Didn't he say he's like a great player or something? So I see real flashes. You got to let Anderson coach you. Um, maybe is Hurley making an appeal to say Andre? Come on over. I'm, you know, I love I, I love watching Andre Corbello play when he's on, but he can be infuriating to watch when he's off. Yeah, he picked up a technical in that game too, or was he one of the few that that avoided one? Nyui, Newton, Adai Wusu, and Mike Anderson. 
Yeah, he's one of the few that avoided one, although he got ejected from the first matchup. And to be honest, Newton should have got tossed. You can't give the tech and then take it back because you didn't realize you were going to eject him. If you earned the tech, you earned the tech. That's my opinion on the matter. We haven't watched the video back, have we? No, I don't think so. Uh, I'd have to watch the, I don't know. I don't like refs deciding games. All right, let's uh, let's move to the big loser of the week, your Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton goes 0-2 this week, um, playing two of the better games of the – not two of the better games, but you know two of the more notable games of the week. They lose to Marquette. We already talked about the Kolek um, jumper and the Kolek layup. And then they lose to Villanova in the Eric Dixon Bowl, um, which I know we'll touch on later. Right, are you worried or are you just kind of like you got a bad draw this week, Creighton? I'm worried. I am worried. Um, they shot 15 of 54 from deep this week. That's 27%. They missed a lot of open shots. And, you know, this is a team that's kind of built around the idea that they can hit three balls. And uh, I'm not sure they're – you know – they have not been a fantastic shooting uh, team all year, and they're kind of not shooting well down the stretch. Baylor Shireman did seem to break out of his slump a little bit, which is great to see. He hit that logo three towards the end of the game against Marquette. But it's tough right now for them. You want my hot take? Yeah. They should be really worried because Ryan Cockbrenner does not look like the defensive player of the year anymore. Ryan Cockbrenner, when he has played someone as stronger than him, has struggled. Um, Sonogo, Ballo, um, Eric Dixon, and when he has been put into pick and rolls and pick and pop situations where he has tried to help a little bit and the center can space the floor, he has now struggled too. I, I'm starting to wonder, I'm not wondering about Cockburner's defensive ability, but I'm wondering that, you know, what he's told to go get as many blocks a game as he can and go help. Is that going to be a detriment to this team eventually? Because it's more important for them to just be steady. Um, and solid on the defensive end. No, I do agree with you. I'm I'm going to spin it a little differently. I have a hard time blaming Cockrunner, but I wonder if other teams have figured out the scheme and the best way to attack that scheme. Um, you know, and with Dixon pulling Cockrunner out of the paint, you can now, you know, do all kinds of stuff in the paint with everybody else, and you don't have the guy that, you know, all of your defense is built around the idea that you have a 7-2 guy who's the best shot blocker in the league, is waiting for them. Well, when he's not waiting for them, when he has to go guard Dixon on the outside, the defense doesn't look that good anymore. I, I agree. He is a, He's the safety blanket, and people have figured out how to take that safety blanket off. Yeah, if you remove that safety blanket, how good is the rest of the defense? Because yeah. it can't just be him. And, that, and that's my biggest fear, that you give people enough time to plan. Um, people have kind of figured it out. But – Listen, they might they might disappoint in the Big East tournament because of that, because people have played them a few times. When you get to the NCAA tournament, you only have a week to prepare for a team that you, you know, that you got drawn against. So I'm I, I'm not I still think their capability is to be a second weekend team, but I, I not that I'm losing faith, it's just a little bit of a concern, especially heading into the postseason. And he still has great moments. You know, he had a few blocks against Villanova. Um he shoved one back into Cam Whitmore's face. Um, so I mean, he's still a good defender, but when teams have, you know, now it's been two full years where they're running the same scheme on defense, 
you know, these teams have come up with ideas of, of how to manipulate him so he's not in the positions he wants to be and, and they can attack him in different ways. Yeah. All right. Who do you want to talk about next? I believe it's your turn to pick. I think we got to talk about your Xavier Musketeers. And Xavier, they they lost to Villanova in the Justin Moore game um, on Tuesday. And then they got a get-right game against Seton Hall at Seton Hall against a very desperate Seton Hall team. Um, and they looked like that team, again, that deserves all the praise. What said? Which game said more about Xavier, the Villanova game or the um, Seton Hall game? You know, I think they both said a lot. I and the Villanova game is was really concerning at the amount of turnovers this late in the season. I don't have the number in front of me, but I think they must have committed more than fifteen turnovers, and a lot of that was like pretty avoidable stuff. It's and that's what they talked about at the end of the Marquette game when they lost that game. You know, they had two turnovers in the last couple minutes, which lost them the game. Um, so it's concerning. You would like to see that cleaned up at this point in the season. But then again, Seton Hall, they came out there and they played They played tough. And they played like, you know, they knew they were the better team and they weren't going to take any junk. Yeah. 14 turnovers in the Villanova game. Um, that's far too many. Um, I agree. That, that Seton Hall game, they came out and they were like, we know you guys can't score a lot. And no offense to Seton Hall, they're just not. You know, they're a more um, offensively challenged team. And they said, we're just going to, you know, we're going to run up and down the court. And then at the end of the game, I I liked it from both teams. Both teams showed some toughness. I thought Shaheen Holloway handled it very well. I thought Xavier handled it very well. You don't, neither team wanted to get punked. And they both came out there and they were like, you know, I get why Xavier was shooting because they didn't want a shot clock violation. But I also get it. You're down 22 in a game that, you know, would have just, you know, was the most desperate game. I want you to be mad that you're losing. Do I love the way that everybody, like, necessarily handled the physical interaction? No, but do I think that people handled it appropriately? Yes. I agree. I, you know, Jaquan Sanders is a freshman. Did he need to do that at the end of the game? No. But at the end of the day, like, nobody threw any hands. It's not that big of a deal, you know. Sometimes you got to work your stuff out a little bit. So I don't have any issue with that at the end of the day. Yeah. And Sui Boom played really well in this game. Um, man, he, he's got to be sitting there and saying, you know what? I just scored 23 points against the best defense. I shot five threes. I was a leading scorer for us against Villanova too. And if there wasn't a, li- a kid on Marquette going absolutely nuts, I would be running away with this Big East player of the year probably. Yeah, he had a fantastic game. He was doing everything for them. Um so that's great to see, but they got to clean it up. They got to they got to be smarter. It's and too late in the season, Sean Miller said the same thing. It's too late in the season to be saying, you know, we got to limit our turnovers. And they need Fremantle back. And I've heard that Fremantle will start practicing next week. Um, hopefully, that means that Fremantle will be ready to go for the Big East tournament. That's Xavier's hope. That's our hope. I'm hoping that's Fremantle's hope too. So, and the reality. Yeah, that would be great. Um, he's sorely missed on that Xavier team, the amount of offense he brings to them. Absolutely. All right, right. Who are we talking about next? I believe the only team. No, I'm sorry. Uh, you want to do DePaul? Let's, let's touch on DePaul. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say. We have three teams left. DePaul, um, Butler, and um, Seton Hall. Seton Hall. 
Um, I wanted you to guess Nick Agenda's line since he's been back. That was my. I'm, I'm going to quick do a victory lap, and I said he was uh, one of the most underrated players going into the season. We didn't see him for 95% of the season, but he's looked really good since he came back. I don't know his line, though. Uh, Nick Agenda, since he has come back, and this is only four games, 9.8 points, um, 8.5 rebounds, 5.8 blocks per game. Yeah. He's been everywhere. I, you start to understand why DePaul fans were like, if we had Agenda, you know, you put Agenda and Deshaun Nelson and Emotia Gibson and you're annoyed, and now you're like, you're squinting, and you're like, can we? Can well, we talked about they're missing. They didn't have a defense. But you add Nick Agenda, an elite rim protector. Now he doesn't solve the whole problem. But now, you, you know, it's it's a lot easier to solve the rest of the problem, right? Yeah. And they, and they went 0-2 this week. They lost to Butler on a really good – Jaden Taylor had a big block to end that game. Um, and then they lost to um, Marquette. I was pretty ha- uh, happy with the way that they fought back. That game was a blowout. Marquette was on their way to coast to Big, C- big East regular season champs um, in Marquette. And DePaul kind of fought back in that game at the very end and made it. It seems like it's always a Moja Gibson shooting from half court to get him back into games. Yeah, they almost played spoiler at the end of the game. That came out. That was uh, fun. They still have plenty of fight in them. That's not the issue. Um, hopefully we'll see some good stuff from them next year. Zion Cruz was really good down the stretch in that game. Zion Cruz, Caleb Murphy, like, can DePaul figure out a way, if they play Seton Hall, who Seton Hall's trending down, can they figure out a way to beat Seton Hall at the Big East Tournament? I, I'm i not. I, that would be a closer game than I think people realize. Well, really, also depending if Kadari Richmond's back. You want to go straight into DePaul, uh, Seton Hall? Yeah, Seton Hall had a really tough week. Um, Seton Hall went 0-2. They played – no, I'm sorry. They went 0-1 this week. They lost to Xavier by 22 in a game they really needed. Uh, They couldn't buy a bucket. That was um, brutal. And it's the lack of Kadari Richmond, right? Like, that's just killing them. Kadari Richmond's our best offensive player by far. He's the only guy who can create his own shot. He's the only guy that can regularly get to his own spot. Uh, without him, it's it's a team that already struggled offensively, and then you take out their best offensive player, and, and it's hard not to feel bad for him. Yeah, um, they scored 20 points in the first half. None of their starters reached double digits. They shot 38% from the field. Um, I mean, we can just go on and on. Dre Davis, though, is back, um, which is great to see. Um Listen, their defense is going to travel to the Garden, but you just allowed 82 points to Xavier. So I'm kind of really stocked down, stock out on Seton Hall right now. Yeah, I agree. They put themselves off the bubble. You hate to see it. Um, but that's just kind of where they're at. I will say one of my theories watching them play, they almost look so tired on offense because of how hard they're playing on defense that they're not running their stuff very hard on offense, that they're taking a while to get into their their plays. You know, they're trying to catch their breath after playing so hard on defense. Yeah. Right. Do you see the um at the skirmish who the first one was defending um Sanders? Or the Casey Ndefo? It was Casey Ndefo. Yeah, <laughs> for that. Yeah. Uh, the the toughness that Ndefo brought to this team on defense really showed um like I said, we talked about this in Xavier. I guess this is the only other point for Seton Hall. Um, I really like the way Holloway handled it after. 
He kind of said, this is on me. This is, you know, my problem. And listen, do I think necessarily it is his problem? No, but PR one-on-one, when you are the coach, you are the head of the team. You take all that on. So now they're not asking your student athletes about what happened and about what you said. So I really like the way Holloway handled that because it just kind of took all the onus away from the players. Not that he can hold them responsible behind closed doors. Let's make that clear. Like he can say, I don't like what you did, Sanders, or Nadefo, you're a little out of line. But when you are giving that to the public, you come out as a united front. Nope, this isn't on me. This is my bad. And you keep it moving. Yeah, um, I agree. Absolutely. Um, that's a great point. Also, they almost they made a nice run at the beginning of the second half. They forced a few turnovers. They scored off of a few turnovers. They're the kind of team, you know, they let Xavier run it up in the end of the game. But if they can keep the other team low and a couple shots fall for them, all of a sudden it's a close game because, suppose, you know, theoretically they're keeping the score low. If you see that Seton Hall has played a game in the 50s in the Big East tournament, you will assume they have won, correct? Yeah, yeah that's their best shot to win. Yes. All right, right. we got one more team to talk about, and that is your Butler Bulldogs. Is it fair to say Butler is, I want to say trending, but they just lost to Georgetown. I was going to say trending in the right direction. Butler played one game this week. Butler won one game this week. Uh, Jaden Taylor with a nice block at the end. So Jaden Taylor's a bright spot. Jaden Taylor's been really good all year. Jaden Taylor's not the issue. Seamus Lukosius isn't the issues. This was another games where Manny Bates didn't play. Um, man, that talk about the unfulfilled promise of the beginning of the season for him. Um, you know, he was so good defensively. You really thought they were going to be close to a bubble team, and he just his health hasn't cooperated. No, and that's been a real issue. They also they haven't got enough out of their guards. Chuck Harris has also had some injury issues. I don't know if he played in this game this week. Um, he didn't. So, you know, but their wings, they got as good of wings as anybody in the conference, I'd say. I'm sorry. Chuck Harris did make his return and played 11 minutes. He didn't start. That's why I got that wrong. Um, Ali Ali is starting to look like the player who transferred in. Um, he scored 15 points in this game, six of nine shooting. Um, over his last few games, he is at, he is at 11, 15. Um, nine. So I've liked more what I've seen from him too. They're just offensively limited. And right now I don't see any reason that should change. Yeah. This will go down as a disappointing first season for Thad Mata, but it's only the first season. So he has plenty of time to turn it around. Absolutely. All right, everybody stay tuned for who we have next. As we talk about Villanova. Introducing the first, Big East Barroom sponsor, DMOR Designs. Um, this is a company that we are lucky to partner with who comes with custom apparel, tees, jerseys, hoodies. Um, one of the best people that we know too. Um, this company, what I was thinking when we, you know, they asked to partner with us is they are literally a college kid's dreams because they're going to do custom shirts for you. They're going to have your rec sport team or your intramural sport team looking great. And they're going to do it at an affordable rate end of company that you can trust so that's kind of where i was thinking you know when we were originally partnered with them yeah if you play rec sports and you want like a fun shirt for all of your boys to wear to the rec sports you yeah. know if like you want like a golden eagle shirt with a big golden eagle if you're a marquette fan or wherever you want 
you know, hit up Dealmore Designs. That's what they do. They're some of the best in the business. Like hats, jerseys, sweatshirts, water bottles. Like you can get anything you want from them. And where can you find them? Good question. Thank you for asking, listener. Dealmore Designs on Instagram. Dealmore Designs website is in our show notes. Dealmore Designs, I just posted about it on Twitter. Go find them. Go look them up. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we wouldn't be endorsing a product we don't like. Half of my shirts are from Dealmore Designs at some time or the other. And honestly, like they're also comfortable enough to wear. So go buy your Dealmore Design stuff and go get your team ready to go. All right, Big East fans, you are in for a treat today. We are joined by Eric Dixon's father, who is also Eric Dixon. Mr. Dixon. But how he's not a junior. I just want to make that point. He's not a junior. Um, <laughs> our names are just a little different. Gotcha. Well, I know you're Eric the father on uh, yes. on uh, Twitter, so people are going to love this. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Dixon, Villanova played two games this week, and they get two massive wins. They played against Xavier. Can you, you know, a lot of the attention goes to Justin Moore. Can you just talk a little bit about how having Justin Moore on that team, how you think that might have helped, you know, having a playmaker? Well, I I, I feel like um, up until Justin came on, we really struggled with our playmaker. We really struggled with a guy who's going to be a dual threat in terms of passing and shooting and scoring at different levels of the floor consistently. So I don't know if other teams really game plan for us to do that. So now with Justin be uh, playing and, and becoming more and more of himself every week, uh, I, I believe one it does one thing. It, it, it makes shot. We to win in basketball, you have to have easy shots. Either you see teams playing pressure defense so they can get turnovers and score off turnovers, or guys are swinging or kicking addition to this or trying to create double teams so they can get rotations and get mismatches that way. But basically what you want to try to do is get easy shots. And I think that's where uh, we struggled a lot earlier in the season is getting easy shots. I mean, no matter how much talent you have, to win consistently in basketball, you have to get easy shots. So to now have Justin's playmaking, uh, you know, in our lineup, I think it makes it one the game easier for everybody because we can get easier shots. Um, like we talked about uh, Eric dropping 31 on Saturday. A lot of that was just him having to knock down the shot that Justin created. You know, um, and it's it's hard to get, like earlier in the season, a lot of Eric's buckets were, were created by himself. You know, it's hard. I think at one point we were only creating uh, off our made field goals. We only had about 48% of ours. Uh, they were only assisted on about 48% of the time. And, you look at a team like um, Xavier, when they were really rolling offensively, um, they were at 68%. So you're, you're looking at a situation where we weren't helping ourselves as much as we needed to to score consistently. And uh, I think having Justin's playmaking is, is the key to us scoring at least easier. I mean, we still have droughts. We still have, you know, situations where we, 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 we have lulls. But I think every team has that at some point. So I, I just think it, it has elevated our uh, shot making by making us, by providing us with easier shots. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great points. Um, and now I want to talk about the other side of the ball a little bit. Against Xavier, uh, Villanova, you know, had played pretty darn well defensively. Um, 
what do you think Justin Moore brings on that side of the ball? Or or did you well, notice anything? Well, yeah, I, I think what you what you see with Justin, one, he knows our deep. He's the he's the only guy who's played uh, I think uh as much. I mean he came in and played as a true freshman. So he knows the system inside and out. He can not only hold his own and he's very strong, he's a very stout guard. So when we get those switches, he can be much more effective in making those bigs catch the ball further from the basket. And also he understands how to front. He understands, you know, how to get guys in position to help. You know, he just understands our defensive schemes, our defensive philosophies much better than probably anybody else on the team. So now he can not only be in position himself, but he can help other guys get in, get into position as well. That's great. And I've wanted to ask somebody who follows Villanova as closely as you do. Do you think that Neptune's defense is different than Wright's defense in some ways or not? I think that it wasn't early on, which is probably why it wasn't very good, um, because we just don't have the same personnel. But I think as the season is going on, uh, Coach Neptune has adapted. He's changed. But also you got to look at our personnel. You know, like he caught a lot of flack for having some lineups and, and, and playing some guys. But what he was trying to do is put his best defensive five on the floor. And so when you're looking at that, you're thinking, okay, you know, this guy might not be giving us this or giving us that, but he's he's in the right position. He's where he, we need him to be system, systemically. Um, so it's one of those things where I think that the defenses have changed. They've tweaked it, I think, against Creighton. They didn't switch as much. I mean, I, I think they were switching even on non-shooters earlier in the season. They're not doing as much of that is, anymore because, let's face it, if a guy isn't a great shooter, it doesn't really hurt you to go uh, uh, under or over that screen. So um, I think they're doing less and less of that. I think they, they didn't switch nearly as much against Creighton uh, because um, it just wasn't necessary. So um, I, I think that uh, Coach Neptune is getting better and uh, improving as he gets to learn his personnel and what they need to do. And you said that, you know, Eric drops 31 on and he's only hitting the shots. You know, he I think that's even being a little humble there because. I mean, how much of a point of emphasis was it for Eric to become such an efficient three point shooter this offseason? Well, I, I think that we knew that his uh, his role would change. Like, he shot 48.6% last season, but he only took 35 shots. So, and we knew that with what we lost in Samuels and uh, Gillespie, those shots were going to go up. We didn't know how much, but there was definitely an emphasis on him working on his consistency. Now, even though he shot 48%, that wasn't the expectation going in. I actually thought that his um, his – because he, his volume would increase so much that his percentage would probably go down 10, 9 or 10 points. I still expect him to be around 38, 39%. I think he's at around 38 now um, after uh, Saturday's performance. So um, he's right about where we thought he would be. So it's, it's really um, gratifying to see that the work that he put in, put in this summer is uh, coming to fruition. And he's basically told that he's going to change the entire game with the defensive player of the year by bringing him out onto the perimeter. 
hitting some early shots. So now Cockburner has to step out and, and he just opens up the game for the rest of the team. I mean, that was a lot of fun to watch and I'm, I'm sure it meant a lot to you guys. Well, yeah. I mean, but the, the thing about it is he took a lot of those same shots when they played in, in Omaha. Uh, you know, my, my wife is funny. My wife actually traveled out to the game. Uh, generally one of us goes out and uh, attends the game. So, so we can kind of relate to each other what the, what the arena felt like. And, um, he had a lot of those same shots. He was, I think he was one for six from three-point range in that game. And so you're looking at it and you're going, okay, he's going to get the same shots. Now, do, does the coaching staff have enough faith in him to let him take the same shots, even though he missed most of them? You know what I mean? And so I think it's a credit to the coaching staff to, to stick with what their plan was and believe in, you know, believe in their shooter, even though he didn't have a great shooting game that first game. And he sure paid that off. Um, so they go 2-0 and this week. It's probably the two biggest wins of Villanova's season. What do you think going into I, the Big East tournament? I don't think there's any probably about that. <laughs> <laughs> What's kind of a Nova Nation thinking going into the tournament? Uh, well, well, one, you, 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 it has to bolster your confidence that they could do the miraculous uh, thing that Georgetown did in 21 and actually – Play a, be a team that plays on Wednesday night and still is able to win on Saturday. Um, but you also understand that there are a lot of great teams in the Big East, and it's a gauntlet. It's been a gauntlet all season. I mean, you have, you know, Butler beating Xavier. You have, you know, uh, DePaul getting a big win. You know, uh, so it, it's you can never assume that you're going to beat anybody in the Big East this year. But you, you you know it gives you confidence that you can you at least have a chance. And we're really excited. Oh, go Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I was just gonna say that sounds like a an answer Jay Wright would give. <laughs> well, I, I think that um, a lot of like people hear a lot of the Villanova isms and everything, but the, the truth of the matter is, we actually feel that way. Because they, they, they have a saying around uh, Villanova, humble and hungry, you know. And I think that if you allow yourself to start thinking, oh, I'm better than such and such because we've had this run of success, then you put yourself in a position where you start taking people for light. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, other than that 2018 team, I, I actually think Coach Wright liked to grind, grind out wins. You know, even if he could blow a team out, he might not just because he likes to grind it out. And, you know, it's so it's one of those things where you're beating teams by, you know, a couple possessions. You know, I, I don't remember what our uh, margin of victory was last year, when, but I know we won a lot of close games. You know what I mean? So there's no room to say, oh, you know, we're Villanova. We're better than everybody, hands down. You know, you have to go into every matchup going, okay, this is the most important game, the next game. Or because if you overlook, like, like I think the Seton Hall game, if they didn't have the mentality in that locker room that the next game is the most important game, then the Seton Hall game could be a trap game. But it won't be a trap game because that's not how they're going to approach it. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to be looking ahead to the big matchup with UConn. Because let's face it, it's not a big matchup with UConn if they don't beat Seton Hall. So I think that's one of the things that um, – I know it sounds corny, it sounds cliche, 
but it's one of the uh, things that they actually do try to drive home at Villanova. Absolutely. And Mr. Dixon, we can't thank you enough. And we're so excited to see Villanova play in the Big East tournament. Um, thanks for hopping on with us and joining mm-hmm. us in the bar room for a few minutes. Eric's been a pleasure no to watch this year. So uh, relay thanks, that. Guys. I appreciate you. Have a good one.